What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. You don't know what that art is, Mr. Trash. I'd show you, but I'm too old. I'm too tired. I'm too fucking blind. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd make a flamethrower to this place. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! The truth shall always set you free. This is Tim. This is Get Off My Lawn, the mad ramblings of a Gen Xer. Hope everyone's enjoying their week. It is a wonderful beginning of this week. Uh, got a lot of news going on, of course. Got a lot of stuff going on in the world of politics. Also got the holiday season coming up. You got Christmas, you got Thanksgiving. You know, I want to talk about Thanksgiving. This seems to be right now the forgotten... Um, forgotten holiday it really does seem to be the forgotten holiday at the moment but you know what i have to i have to talk about disappointment it's one of those things that you you live through in life and it's one of those things that happens to everyone and, and it's how you handle it that shows your metal that shows what type of person you are going to be in this world it, it shows you how you've learned in life and and if you learn from the lessons that you were taught. And if you learn how to handle adversity, you become a better person. And this is why I worry about Gen Z. So Gen Z, more and more is coming out about how the red wave was basically, uh, it, they pulled a little bit of a Moses. They separated the red, the red wave because of certain topics. And they're calling it the student loan payback buyout, or they're also calling it the student loan payoff. And the other big thing was, was of course, we've, we've talked about it before. It's democracy and abortions. We've talked about that many times in the past. Um, but it seems one of the biggest reasons Gen Z went the route of voting Democrat was because of the was the payoff, was the, was the big payoff, was the big student loan payoff. And I laugh because multitudes of people, including myself, Basically, it said from the moment he announced this that there was no legal way that Joe Biden could turn around and just negate or erase people's loans. These are government loans. This is debt. There's no way that he can use his pen and a pencil, pen and excuse me, pen and phone, and make all this go away. He couldn't because of the fact that you were going to need congressional approval. You you have to because of the fact that you are turning around and you are taking money that was paid by the U.S. government, which which you actually also, as the borrower, you know, basically said to the government, I'm going to pay back these loans. And then all of a sudden he just said, no, 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 you don't have to pay back the loans. It's all fine. It's fine and dandy. So it was a buyout. It was a bribe. But the problem is most people knew that this was never going to happen, that that this was this was potentially illegal. And they put a pause on it last week because of the fact that um, they basically when the, a judge said, a judge said, no, 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 you can't do this. And of course, it was a judge in Texas. So then the Biden administration went to a federal appeals court and they blocked it as well. And this was the ruling from the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals in St. Louis. 
And this came after six states argued in a lawsuit that the program threatens their tax revenues and circumvents congressional authority. And the injunction now will remain in place until further notice as this as it goes to uh, probably the Supreme Court. I mean, it's one of those things that it makes you laugh. It, you got you got bamboozled. You got hoodwinked. You got played by an you got played by a baby boomer. You were basically sold a bridge in Brooklyn and then found out, you know what? That bridge isn't for sale. <laughs> oh my god, and it's it's just it's just great though. And it just makes me smile and makes me laugh. Because everything that you were saying that you wanted to do, you were gaining all this extra money. And we, we did a video. We did a video. We did a podcast last week where they surveyed the people that were getting surveyed over 1,200 people who were getting these loans. And, you know, and Joe Biden always says, well, you know, we're going to we're doing these loans because of the fact that we're trying to, you know, people are going to get out of debt. They're going to buy houses. They're going to pay their bills. And it turned out most people were going to go on vacation and buy drugs. But it was going to be a relief. But you you didn't think that there was going to be a tax burden on the state. You didn't think there was going to be a tax burden on the taxpayers because of the fact that it's not a debt cancellation. It's it's a debt transference. We've talked about this a million times. All you're doing is transferring the debt to the borrower onto the taxpayer. Now, Biden's plan would have canceled up to $20,000 in federal student loans for borrowers. Of course, they received the, those that received the Pella Grants, which is the type of aid that uh, is, for, is available to low-income families. And they, the borrowers without a grant were eligible up to ten thousand. Now, more than thirty million people were projected to to to, to take to partake in this this government handout, and that's all it was. It was a government handout. But the problem is, it's not constitutional. You can't just sit there as the president and say, "Well, I'm gonna just I'm just gonna forgive the debt for these people for the for these people, but I'm gonna make everyone else in the country pay for it." It's going to go to the Supreme Court and it's going to lose. It's it's going it's going to be defeated. You know, and they talked about it. the Congressional Budget Office estimated the program will wipe out around 43 billion and of the 1.6 trillion of outstanding federal student loans. And the Biden administration says the debt relief program would cost 37 379 billion over 30 years. While the others estimated put it around like 500 billion because you know what the Biden math is never strong. Doing things such as walking straight in a line, finding your seat, being able to memorize the names of reporters. Those aren't things that Biden's strong as, and neither is math. But now, like I said, now everything's on hold. And the best thing is, I think something, I forget the number, but it's like 13 million already applied and 8 million already got approved. How do you already get approved 8 million this quickly? We can't count votes in certain states, and we're going to get into that. We can't count votes. But we can approve people, we can verify their income, we can do everything else in moments so we can give them free money. And you know what the best part is right now? Those that paid their um, those are paid their loans during the lockout, during during the loan pause, they're getting money back right now. They're getting checks back for doing nothing. If you reach that threshold of, of, of that of, of a certain threshold, you start getting that checks back. Why? And I said this before a million times. When? The Affordable Care Act came into fruition. Of course, you get to keep your own doctors. Get to, if you're happy with them, don't worry. You're not gonna. It's not gonna go in here. Bullshit. I gotta get the bullshit button going, but it's bullshit. But one of the things in that in that Affordable Care Act, one of the provisions that no one ever talked about, and I talked about it ad nauseum, was the fact that they took over the student loan industry. The federal government did. 
they closed down – it was a smaller industry, but they closed down the student loan industry, the private student loan industry, and made it all run by the government. And we've talked about this before. Anytime you run something by the government, it's never going to run well. And I always said there's going to be a come-to-Jesus moment where you have to sit there and say, this is going to fail. We're going to lose out. There's, the bubble is going to burst. And like I said, we've already hit over $1.6 trillion in outstanding federal student loans. And I keep saying it over and over again. Universities are going to keep raising tuition rates because of the fact that they understand that these loans are government certified. So if the borrower defaults, the university still gets the money because it's insured by the federal government. Did anyone not look at this and say, you know what, this might be a bad idea to take something that was a private industry, run it through the government, and you know what, it'll it'll all work out fine in the end. No, it won't. And I love it because you always have the very liberal-leaning websites and uh, and, and channels, I says. And one of us, a judge-blocking student loan relief program, made a glaring error. What was the glaring era that you can't cancel multitudes of debt for people and have other taxpayers pay it? <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, there's, there is no glaring. There's no glaring era. The, gra- the, the, the glaring era is the fact that you tried to buy the mid- – and you did. You successfully bought the midterm elections. You successfully did this. You successfully went out. And sat there and said, I'm buying these votes. Now, they, now, now the people are saying there are two legal questions. First, whether the people who sued, those who were entitled to, are partially ineligible for student loans forgiveness programs, have standing. Do the people that sued have any standing to sue? Sure they do. Because it's the fact that you're taking money, out, you're taking tax revenue away from a state. Second, whether a federal statute that gives the education secretary the authority to erase student loans during national emergencies such as COVID pandemic gives the president the power to create the debt, debt forgiveness program. Here's the problem. He keeps telling me us the pandemic's over. He keeps letting us know, hey, the pandemic's over. But anytime that he needs to do something, he turns around and uses the authority of the pandemic to create this due to national emergency. You can't keep telling me the freaking pandemic's over and then keep telling me there's a national emergency because you want to do something because you can't get a pass through the proper channels because you're a freaking idiot. Because of the fact that you think that you're emboldened now by this, by the fact of what happened in these elections. But you know what's funny? Because they always talk about the popular vote. I always love that. I mean, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. Well, you know what? In these Senate and House races, uh, the popular vote was won by Republicans by 5 million votes. So you're not emboldened for anything. And I love it. Joe Biden's like, I'm not going to change anything. What are you going to change? Nothing. <laughs> You've learned nothing. Clinton, after he got took that shellacking, made a huge pivot to the center and got things done. And like I said, I voted for Bill twice. He got things done with Newt. They figured out how to work together. He understood that he's going to have to be more of a centrist because of the fact that the country wasn't as divided as now, but he had to be more of a centrist. And that's what he did. He turned around and worked with the Republicans and made things better for the entire country. Joe Biden's making better things better for the, the small segment of crazies. Of the climate crisis. And I love the one people that was always, you know, they always talk about climate change, climate change, climate change. 
And you had all these scientists that came out the other uh, a couple months back and said, you know what? The climate changes every year. And I loved it before because it was global cooling. We were all going to die because it's global cool. It was glo- that was like in the 70s. It's gl- in the 80s. It's global cooling. We're all going to die because we're going back to the ice age. Then back in the 90s, the, the, the chic thing was global warming. It's all global warming. We're all going to die because the planet's getting hotter. And then as it turned out, the planet wasn't getting as hot as most people you know, presumed it would. It was then climate change. The, ch- the climate has changed. We're all going to die in 10 years if we don't do something about climate change. And then, like I said, then you have a lot of scientists that come out and say, well, the climate changes every year. It's the crazies that just drive me crazy. But Gen Z learned a valuable lesson. Before you throw your hat into the political ring and cast your vote because of the fact that you were doing it to save money and to get abortions, it's 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 democracy and abortions. Uh, so you're getting your democracy and abortions, but you can't really define democracy, and you don't want to set any type of limits on abortions. So you you know you you'll have the ability to kill babies right up to the moment of birth, but that's okay. But all of a sudden you learned, you learned a valuable lesson. Don't trust baby boomers because they're going to lie to you to get what they want. And they're going to turn around and they're going to do what they want to do after they get your vote. That's what they're going to do. Ask questions, but that's okay. Remember there are no stupid questions, just stupid people. And that's what these people are sometimes. They don't think. They think about themselves. And, you know, most people do that. Most people think about – they don't think about the greater good. They think about their pocketbook. They think about going on vacation because, you know what, uh, Gen Zers need uh, more time for vacation. <laughs> more time for – they have to go find themselves. If you haven't found yourself at this point in time, you need to go to Lost and Found somewhere because you, 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 you just have no clue what you are in life. I've never seen a generation so confused – about what they are. They don't know if they're a man. They don't know if they're a, winner, a woman. They're, they're non-binary. I identify as a water buffalo. I love it because there was a, uh, there was a scientist that was arguing uh, with someone that tried to tell them that there are, you know, there's, there's not just men and women. There are 37 other types of, of, of you know, t- of the types of entities. You can be, thir- there's 37 different things you can categorize, can you be categorized as. And I love it because the guy looked at her and said, and, you know, unless they come up with something different than the X and the Y chromosome, there's no other genus or categories for people. Unless you have something, unless you found something beyond X and Y, there's nothing else. So you could self-identify as anything as you want. You could be non, I just love it. I'm non-binary. When did we get so screwed up? When, I mean, I would like to go pinpoint the time. I blame the internet. I blame Al Gore. <laughs> Sometimes I really do think I'm taking crazy pills. I really do. Because I just don't, I just don't understand. And, and, and sometimes you talk to these people, you talk to, you talk to the younger generation. And I'm, I'm like, I'm in, I'm in my fifties. So I'm, 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 you know, I'm Gen X and you're talking, you listen to some of the things they say. And it's like, you are so immature at that age. And I just laugh because it's like, do you really understand what you're saying? Or do you really believe this? Or or is it just something that you just do because it's it's the right thing to do? It's what people tell you to do. And I wonder, I wonder that sometimes. 
Thanksgiving has become a forgotten holiday. It really has. Because if you go into the stores, you jump in from you jump, I'm moving to my chair, very unprofessional. You you jump into the stores and you you know you you look at Halloween. Halloween Halloween comes out like in September. Like beginning of September. And usually the Halloween stuff starts disappearing and out of the stores before even October 1st. And then they have this little tiny section of Halloweeners, Halloween stuff. And then you jump right in. Like not e- you're not even in the middle of October and all of a sudden all the Christmas stuff. I was at Home Depot. I think it was like October 17th. Everything, everything was out for Christmas. The same thing. Everything was out at Lowe's. Everything, 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 was, everything was out. You would swear that it was, you know, it was December 2nd and, you know, you only had 23 days, you know, until Christmas. <laughs> and I, I just, and I thought to myself, where did Thanksgiving go? Where did Thanksgiving go in this, in this, in this quandary, in this quagmire? I mean, I know there's not decorations for Thanksgiving, but it's almost like they just skip holidays and it's a forgotten holiday. I enjoy Thanksgiving. I enjoy cooking. I enjoy being with the family. I enjoy spending the day just, you know, just kind of chilling, watching football, you know, being thankful for what I have uh, and, you know, just being thankful for the year entire, you know, because I always, I always tell people and people are like, well, you know what, this is bad and this is bad. I was like, listen, if you wake up every morning and you're still breathing and, and you're still kicking, it's a good day. And that's the way you got to look at it. But I just wish, I wish there was just more of a, uh, uh, I just wish there was more of something for Thanksgiving. Just more, more. It deserves more credit. It deserves because you know it. It is. Everyone talks about it. it's about the pilgrims and it's about the Indians and it's about the Indians. The pilgrims killing the Indians and taking all the Indians' land and we shouldn't be thankful for this because it's Indigenous Personnel Day and ba 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 ba. It's just a day to be thankful in my mind. It's a day to be thankful for the year you had the family you have, the friends you have, your blessings. You know, and sometimes, like I said, I, I was this a great year for our family? It was okay. It wasn't great. Bad things happened. But you know what? At the end of the day, I am grateful that and thankful that we are getting through the year together as a family, as a friends. And I just want, you know, and I just think that at times we we get so wrapped up in everything else that we forget that it's not just about, you know, it's not just about the pilgrims and the Indians and everything. It's just a day to give thanks. And 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 I would like I would like people to I would like people to think about that a little bit because you know it's it's just one of those things that I think sometimes is it's becoming almost it's becoming almost like a Passover holiday. It's becoming almost like a flyover state Thanksgiving. It's almost in some people's mind it's a burden because you have to cook and do these things and do these things, but. It, it, it just, it just makes, it, it just, you know, it just take a moment. You don't have to have a turkey. We, we've gone years where we didn't have turkey. We did ham and stuff. We did all that fun stuff. Um, but we, you know, you just have to, you know, just, you know, just take a moment. Just take a moment, look around and say, you know what? It's not that bad. We can get through it and we get, we'll get through it all together. Not only as, you know, as a family, but as a society. And then kind of be thankful for that. You know what I have to, you know what's funny? They can track, the government could track daily COVID cases. They could track, you know, and states can track daily COVID cases, daily, you know, COVID deaths and all this other stuff. But we have states that can't count. Arizona. 
Arizona is one of them. Arizona, I mean, it's it's a week after the elections, and we are still waiting for results. How hard is it to count? I mean, there's places in in in, in Arizona which are a tenth of the size of Florida, which counted all their votes in a night. Now, Florida, of course, had that issue back with the, the first Bush in the 2000s where they really screwed everything up, and they've kind of moved forward right there. And DeSantis is, um, you know, you got to give credit to DeSantis and the rest of the state for figuring out the problems and, and, and being able to get everyone to vote. But how do you not, how are you not able to count all the votes in a week? I mean, I was thinking, you put me in a room. I pro- and, and most of the times what they're doing, they're just verifying the circles and then running it through a machine to scan the votes in. That's not that hard to do, guys. Even if you had to sit there and count this stuff by hand, it shouldn't take you a week. It shouldn't take you that at all. It should, it should take you maybe a couple days if you're lucky. But we're sitting there, we're still trying to figure out how to count votes. We're still trying to figure out the House. We're still trying to figure out the Senate. We're still trying to figure out this. You know, and it just kills me. I'm just reading something else about the Biden thing. Survey results showed that uh, more than 60% of voters between 18 and 34 favored the Biden program. Of course, because you're giving away free money. If someone wants to buy my vote for ten dollars to $20,000, you can have it. You can have it. You can have it. I'll I'll, uh, I'll be fine with that. And then I love it because then you have the USA Today come out and say student loan uh, student loan debt relief program blocked, potentially hurting black and Latino families the most. I've said this before. You know what? I love it that they always play the race card. And I I, I come from Hispanic. I mean, I'm I mean, my uh, I'm married into a Hispanic family. And I find it funny because even they're like, you know what? Only time the Democrats ever come around is when it's election time. They only want to talk to me. They only want to talk about my votes. They only want to talk about my concerns every two to four years. But now they're like, you know, but after that, then I'm the, I'm the forgot I'm the forgotten person. And and like I said, and I think that's why there was so many in the Latino Latino community that turned around and voted. Are starting to vote Democrat. I'm me, Republicans. They're also they also Hispanics have a very much a conservative values in regards to spending money and abortion and other things. So they are losing that. They are the Democrats are taking advantage of the base and and they're taking for granted this base. But they only come back around. And I think that's I think that's crazy. And I keep I keep hating that they keep talking about you know this is going to hurt this family. You know what they're I mean you know and like I said I'm never shy, I'm never shy away away from race. But you know there's Chinese people, there's Vietnamese people, there's Indian, you know there's there's white people. It hurts everyone. It's not just you know it's it well it unproportionately affects black and Hispanic communities. Really, because my wife went and, went and got a scholarship. Hispanic and got a had a scholarship and had to work towards that scholarship and had to work hard towards that scholarship. She didn't sit there and turn around and say, Hey, listen, why doesn't someone just give me a free ride? Because I got, I got a degree in dead sea scrolls and I can't support myself. So I have to live with mommy and daddy. It's, it's just, you know, everything's always race. Everything's always someone else's fault. I just think it, it just think, and I've said it, I said it the last couple of podcasts. I think it needs to be just about personal responsibility. You need to be personally responsible for your actions and for yourself. If you take out a debt, you know, what's crazy. You pay back the debt. Don't, don't expect someone else to come around and pay the debt for you. 
because it's all about personal responsibility. And once again, this is Tim. Get off my lawn. The Mad Ramblings of a Gen Xer. Hope you enjoyed today's pod. I was, it's always fun. It's always fun to do. We've seen a significant increase in up, uh, uptick in downloads, which is fantastic. And I appreciate everyone that's starting to support us and helping us move up through the rankings. But at the end of the day, what's most important, and we've talked about it in, in the entire pod itself, be true to yourself. Be true to your family. Do what you have to do to make yourself a better person. And you know what? At the end of the day, God willing, everything will work out.